You are now listening to the Walk After Falling podcast. Back when, you know, you were you were young and like how you came to faith. You were young. <laughs> and then... Uh, is that a song? I don't when know. When we were young. But, but, Who is that, Adele? I don't know. Oh, okay, I, I made it. There's a, there's a Coldplay one, right? Isn't, I don't know. I'll think about it. I don't know what kind of struggle you're going through. I don't know what... The situation may be, but you serve a mighty God. Hey, Walkers, what's up? It's Monday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Monday, <laughs> and we are here with another one of Catherine's friends. And I'm going to leave it to her to introduce this person that I am meeting over the phone for the first time as well, too. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to get into it. Catherine, who do we have today? We have someone very, very special. and uh, Special alert. <laughs> which everyone we say is special, but this person is very special. Um, yeah, Rachel, tell us a little bit about you and how we met and uh, what you're up to now. So, hey guys, I'm Rachel. I am one of Catherine. So you can call I'm, me BK. Yeah, okay. I know. I was going to be like, where's I the heard BK? Catherine. So I, so I'm a friend of Kath, of BK's from <laughs> undergrad. We swam together for four years at Vanderbilt and all of us called her BK from the very first day we met her. She told us to call her BK. So I don't know her. You as told Kath- them to call you yeah, that? Did. Oh, you did. It's goodness. okay. It was I'm great. And it's such new. a good nickname. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know it was, it was so me. Call me BK. <laughs> yeah. It, oh. it explains a lot about who she is now and also who she was then. Mm-hmm. So wow. it, I mean, we knew her immediately who she was when she introduced herself, which is a cool <laughs> aspect of BK. Um, anyway, so I'm a friend of hers from undergrad. I We swam together, and so we really met even before college started, so we go way back. And she, I know she said I'm special, but she is extraordinarily special to me. She's been a great friend over the years and was integral to my college experience. I honestly couldn't have made it through four years of college without her. She mm-hmm. is so great. I'm sure you, if you're a listener of the podcast, you realize how how good of a friend she would be. She is such a good listener and is just always knows, it's always there for you when whenever you need to talk. And if she doesn't know the exact right thing to say in the situation, which she normally does, she knows how to probe and ask you questions and help you figure out how to get through mm. whatever you're through, which has been mm. really, really special to me. And I'm, I'm so glad I have her. But that's uh, an aside. I know that was not the question. You're going to yeah, make so me tell cry. The, tell, us the, <laughs> tell us the truth now. That was, that was good, but tell us the yeah, truth now. Really, no. <laughs> well, you know, college aside, I so right now I so I graduated from Vanderbilt with Catherine BK. It's becoming more natural. This is good. Um, <laughs> I graduated with Catherine, and I'm now in my fourth year of medical school at Emory in Atlanta. Nice. I am applying to be a to into internal medicine residency next year. So I want to be at least next year in hospital medicine, taking care of of the medical side of patients. Um, and I'm really passionate about medicine and I love, even though I'm not going into psychiatry, I'm really passionate about mental health just from personal experience and how we can 
how the mind-body connection is something we talked about a little bit prior to the podcast. So that's something I'm also very passionate about. So I'm really mm. excited to be here. Yay. Nice. Yeah, you're you're legit. You're like going to be a real doctor. <laughs> that's terrifying. Like, <laughs> like really soon. It's just so crazy to think like back to like when I looked at Rachel on Facebook with the squirrel on her shoulder and now like Rachel's going to be taking care of people. It's like, I've come a long way. I had braces in that photo. So that dates it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it so much. Okay. So tell us a little bit about you growing up and just your walk through faith and your walk and like coming to know the Lord. So I mentioned I'm living in Atlanta. I'm actually from a suburb of Atlanta. So I'm from the South, which is pretty significant when it comes to faith. I Mm -hmm. live in the Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone around me would identify as Christian, whether or not they practiced or, you know, they were very socially Christian. And so I went to a Christian school from second grade to when I graduated high school. And my idea, my relationship with Christianity specifically was very much formed through my school. And it had a, it was an extremely strong Christian school, had a great Christian education and Christian community. And I think, so community is one of those theme, a theme that kind of is threaded throughout my story. Mm. And especially because that's how I was able to develop a faith in God. And so I, you know, the school had a lot of uh, Bible studies and we took religion classes. And so we were really, really immersed in Christianity growing up. And I use the, the term Christianity as opposed to God or Jesus to show that it was not very, it was not the relational component that we talked mm. about, at least initially. It was, I, I knew about the Bible and I knew everything and I could answer all of the questions and I did all, checked all the boxes. I did the steps and you would think that I would you know, if you looked at my life when I was in middle school and early high school, you would say, yeah, probably she's a Christian. I don't know, but yeah, Mm -hmm. she all the the right things. And so, um, I grew up kind of around that and just so immersed in a Christian community, which honestly is, is so, was so great. And I'm so thankful for, but, um, so anyway, so I, the, the, the community and being around people and seeing people who, modeled their life after Christ was something that I eventually, I, as I was growing up and coming into myself and was the, the classic, you know, insecure early teenager, didn't know who I wanted to be, but I did see all of these role models that were just so joyful and were so selfless. And the the common theme was that they just had this amazing relationship with Jesus and he was at the, at the center of their lives. And so I, I wanted that and I wanted to model that. And so I tried and I did all the, all of the right things that I previously described. And I went to Bible studies and I learned more and I learned what it was like, but it was honestly exhausting. It's Mm. pretty trying to, trying to do all these things without having the center core of a relationship Mm -hmm. with God, because Mm. I think he, he tells us that we have a relationship with him. And out of that comes the desire to do all these things I described Mm -hmm. to get closer to him and to learn more about him, but they are by no means required for, Mm faith in him. And wow. so I was so, I was kind of, I was so tired of it. And I was like, wow, this is so hard. And I should, I should have looked this up before. I, I haven't really thought about it, but the the Bible verse, I think it's, it's, I don't remember it, but essentially it's, um, you know, 
come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, mm, mm. give you rest. Yes, um, yes, Matthew so 11, that, Whatever verse that is. Dang. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. got it. I, I, was, I was about to pull up my computer and I was like, you know what, I can't, I can't do this really quickly. So <laughs> anyway, that, the whole, I will give you rest. And when, when you're so burdened by religion and by, you know, trying to do all the right things and you realize you're not and you can just come to Jesus and say, I, I need rest. And so mm. that's how I think, that's how I initially came to Christ. And so... Mm. I, in that, when I come, that realization I had was when I, I was like, wow, like this is true peace and this is rest. And mm. I don't need to perform and I don't need to be doing all these things that I think I need to, that everyone else is doing mm. because it's just me and God and, and I am, and he has made me enough for him. And that, I think that's, that's what like the, and that was, that happened probably around sophomore or junior year of college, of, uh, sorry, of high school. And mm. I think kind of growing up and coming into that ang- that identity of a Christ follower and that paralleling my growing up through, you know, puberty, I kind of found myself and found myself in Christ. And that was really pivotal for me. And so the, I guess that's the, that's the story of, of how I came to Christ. I think if it's okay with you, I'll, would like to talk a little bit about what that's looked like since. Cause I think that's important. Yeah, for sure. And I think to talk a little bit too about like how, how it, has changed and how it changed when you yeah. went to college and then how it changed after college. Yeah. So if you, if you were to stop there, it's, it's a pretty cool, it's a nice story. Um, <sighs> I, I mean, everyone has a great story, but that's a very like clean, neat tie a bow on it. Great. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you've been a Christ follower for any more than, you know, a few weeks or a few months, you know, that that's not always the ending to the story and you don't just say, wow, I've got it. And you mm-hmm. know, live from there. Um, so Anyway, so I came to Christ around that time and it was it was um, cultivated by, or I continued to grow in it through the things that I had described that I, you know, were so burdened by. I, I was surrounded by this community and was always around people who also, who were also Christ followers. And, you know, our conversations weren't always like that, we're, weren't always about faith, but, you know, you always had people to talk to if you were struggling with something and there were always people to hold you accountable for at least staying in your faith. You know, mm-hmm. you'd be you'd be reminded every so often through school or through, you know, somebody you're around that, you know, Hey, we're still doing this faith thing. We're still on this journey together. Right. Like how has your faith been? So if you even slip a little bit, there's always someone there to say, Hey, everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. How's it going? And you know, it's hard to kind of fall off the pace unless something really drastic happens. And so I kind of continued that through high school. And so, and then I was really just immersed in this community. And so coming to college, was a little bit tougher because I didn't go to a Christian school or Christian college. And so I had to really work to find that community that had shaped my faith and kind of, I had kind of taken on, I call it kind of like a brand of Christianity. Mm. Is it, It's like Christianity to me looked like all of the things that were done at my private school, at my Christian school. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, a little bit different, like something slightly different to that. It, it kind of throws you off and it makes you think, oh, is this really is faith. It doesn't look exactly like it did when I was in high school. So it can't be, or I don't know if it can. And so, but luckily, or, you know, in my mind, luckily I was able to soon find like Christian ministries and things to get involved in on campus at Vanderbilt that helped me kind of maintain that community and Mm -hmm. find a new brand of Christianity to kind of adhere to. And so to me, I, in my head, that was kind of crucial to me maintaining my faith, but, you know, as I'll, as I kind of discovered later, I think it was a little bit of a crutch for me because I was just, I don't know if I could say was able to copy other people's faith mm-hmm. because I definitely had my own relationship with Jesus, but I didn't, 
ever learn to be self-sufficient and how to maintain a relationship with him outside of other people and outside of what other people were doing. And so that I kind of continued to be in that community through college and, you know, college just comes with its ups and downs, but I think that really carried me through until graduation. And so when I graduated and came to medical school, that community, I was not able to find the same community here. And I think nothing against the friends and relationships I've made in college. It just doesn't, doesn't look the same as it did in high school and college. And I don't have the same community. I don't, I haven't had the time or at least haven't had the willpower to join, to be really involved in a church to find the community there. So I've kind of felt like that lifeline to Christianity and also, and then by proxy to God has been a little bit, has been cut in my head. And so Mm -hmm. I have been, I felt kind of like I'm just, you know, struggling to even find how to get back to that because Christianity doesn't look like what it did for me in the past. And it doesn't mean that God is not there and that he's not pursuing me and that I can't, I don't have a relationship with him anymore. It's just, it's really throwing me off. And so that's kind of where I've been struggling with mm. lately. And, you know, I mean, I said I'm in fourth year, so it's been, you know, yeah. three years of, of kind of trying to figure out what does Christianity look like, at, like after, like not post community, because I think community is such an integral part to the Christian faith. And I think the Bible is very explicit in that, but just it doesn't it doesn't look the same and I don't have a brand of Christianity to follow anymore Mm. Mm. it's been it's been pretty tough I think I think I'm learning I'm trying to learn that because at first I was very hard on myself I thought wow I'm not a Christian anymore I don't think about God daily like I used to I don't Mm. like I've gone for a while without I mean I don't remember the last time I've read my Bible to be completely frank and I don't and I think and also, I mean, I, 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 we've kind of found a church that we've been going to, but it's all virtual now. And yeah. with a hard medical school schedule, it's hard to commit to something very, I mean, it's not hard. I can do it if I really wanted to, and I probably should, but it's been difficult to find a routine of going to church and, and doing all the things that, that was my brand of Christianity. And so um, I've been trying to reflect on it. And when, when Catherine told me about, or asked me <laughs> to be on the podcast, I, that's kind of what came to mind. And to be honest, I haven't really formed what I am thinking about it, but that's kind of where, where I am now. And so, yeah, if you have any suggestions on how to get past and figure out, you know, how to be a Christian with like in, on your own, and I'm not necessarily Mm -hmm. on my own Christian friends, but that's, I'm trying to figure it out. So any suggestions would be awesome. (laughs) You too. So, you know, that's, that's so interesting because I actually feel like my story is almost totally flip-flopped of yours that like I never felt like I had that Christian community and so my relationship growing up with the Lord was always very like me and him and it I never really knew how to go deeper like in practices and in like practical ways and it hasn't been until this past year that I have really stepped into community that I've been like wow this is like even a layer deeper. And so I think wherever, wherever you are at in it, however you come to know the Lord, there's always a way to go deeper. And he's always, that's what he's always calling you to. You know, it's like the walking with Jesus is not, it's not like, 
oh, one day your all your problems are solved and your life is perfect. It's like God brings you closer to him through struggle and through hardship. And that's honestly, like that's the beauty of walking with Christ is that during hardship, like you don't, you, you can have peace that surpasses yeah. that understanding. Yeah. I've been, uh, so I've been having like a weekly phone call with, with a friend of mine just as like an accountability and just, you know, somebody that, you know, the Bible talks about iron sharpens iron. So that's literally like who this person has been for me. And I've been going through some, some things of myself trying to like, slow myself down and thinking I need to always be where I think I should be and kind of focusing on the now. So a couple questions I want to ask you first is, so when you tell your story, a lot of your, um, your faith and everything has been surrounded around community, right? That's kind of been the foundation of your faith. Yeah, definitely. Up until kind of recently or in the past few years. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one of the things that my friend told me was maybe you're asking he's like do you he's like you ever notice how I always answer your question with another question and he's like it's not because I'm not trying to answer your question it's because I'm trying to maybe get you to ask a different question so for for me to try that with you right now I wonder if it's more you know because I've I've personally I believe like the Lord like I, you know, it's so cliche to say, but there's a reason for everything. But I believe God purposes things in certain seasons. So because of your whole life, you've been in a foundation of community, and knowing him, have known, come to know Him through community, and come to grow in, in faith through community. Maybe this is a season where He's stretching you in a way where, hey, focus. When when at the end of the day, if all that community was to be taken away. A, a virus were to come out of nowhere and you'd be stuck to your own, left to your own devices, how are me and you, you know, how, like God saying, how, how are me and you, Rachel, going to strengthen our relationship together? So maybe mm. this is a season where the question isn't how, how do I try to find community and, you know, grow closer to him through community or make a community with what I have? Maybe it's that you come into communion with him in a different way than you have before, if that makes any sense. No, I mean, that's when I, when I think about that, I mean, cause I've been kind of going through this for a few years and you, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that's exactly, you know, I don't know if we all were ever able to figure out what, what God is trying to teach us through, but if I had to guess, that's, that's totally it. And I really think that I, you know, what I, what, how I don't think I've, found the solution to that. I don't think I figured out, you know, how do, how is it, is it just me and Jesus? Like mm-hmm. how, how are we, how do we relate to each other? Because in some ways I've kind of been hiding and I am ashamed mm-hmm. of what, of what has happened to my faith over the past few years. And yeah. I don't think, I, so it's a little bit of shame. It's a little bit of, of, you know, and when I describe myself feeling <clears throat> lost and and drowning a little bit. It's a little bit of that. I'm trying, I'm, I'm just trying to get back to, like you just mentioned, like trying to find what worked for me in the past. And it's just, it's not happening. And, mm. you know, it's been a couple of years of it not working. And so, um, I mean, already I can find ways that he's teaching me about himself and about who, like just how to know him better and what he wants outside of, outside of that idea of Christianity I have. Mm. So this is a little bit unrelated, but something that I, that I, that I kind of thought about with 
our relationship is that with my relationship with Jesus is that I, so I I talked about this idea, this brand of Christianity and Mm -hmm. this idea of what a Christian person should look like. And, and with, you know, all the things that are happening in the world today and the way that our, that the social scene is changing, especially in the South as well, is that I'm learning, you know, what it's like, like not all Christians and look exactly like, look, literally look like, you know, skin color look like the people Mm -hmm. I was around but also you know in the things that they do and just for example learning how, like how in you know when I was growing up there was a very big culture of you know the, the culture I lived in was very anti-homosexual anti-LGBTQ mm-hmm. and all things and I think get stepping out of, and I think I I was kind of indoctrinated with that a little bit and I didn't give myself a chance to think about you know, is this really what Jesus would have wanted? And, you know, I don't want to, I really don't want to get political on this podcast, so I won't. But just in, in taking a step out of that community, I've kind of opened my horizon, like broadened my horizons yeah. to, you know, maybe all those things that the institution of, of what church I was in when I was younger, you know, maybe I need to question that because maybe I, I don't necessarily relate to that. And maybe I think Jesus is trying to tell me something more about, mm-hmm. about who he wants, who he, like, who his kingdom encompasses. Mm -hmm. And that's just one example, I think of how, of something that I'm learning in this, in this time. Do I think that that's actually helping my relationship with him? I'm not entirely sure, but it is something that I, that good that has come out of it. And I don't think that, I don't think that means that I'm straying away from the Bible or anything. I really just think I'm, I'm having a more open mind and, and definitely. And so, but to get back to your original question, I, I do think that I, if I really were to think about it and to, to try harder, I guess I, I, I there's, there's something holding me back from exploring just our relationship mm. in this. Time. And I, and I'm, tro- I'm don't know what it is. You know, so. what's, what's so interesting is I, I hear you like saying a lot, like trying, trying harder and like, <laughs> and you know, th- like thinking about it as um, almost like performing and like, checking things off the list and I just wonder like if if there's a part of you that might feel like scared to bring your whole self to God does that make sense yeah I think I think so which is I think you're it makes sense the the thing that I I am a little hesitant about is that I think something for me that is that used to be at least used to be powerful was that you know, the concept of being vulnerable with God was very powerful to me. And sorry, there are dogs in the background. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, okay, hold on. You're okay. But, um, <laughs> like I, I've been through periods of time and, you know, even recently where I've, I've truly felt angry at God and I've let myself mm. have anger towards him. And I don't think that's, and I think that's what he wants is I think he wants our mm. vulnerability and he mm-hmm. wants, you know, like, God, I'm really frustrated right now. And I really don't like what's what you're doing. You know, I don't yeah. agree. And, and I think, so, so when you said letting myself open up to him, I, I like, that's something that I, I, I always used to, I guess, pride myself a little bit in the fact that I would open up and I'd say, God, I'm not like by, in my anger, I'd say, God, I'm not, I'm, mm. I'm not at you. I wish you weren't doing the things the way you were. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's the, if that's the, if that's the, you know, key, the core of the issue, but it, it, it certainly is something that I haven't been doing lately. Mm. If that, yeah. if I have not been 
opening myself up as much. Um, mm. Yeah, so. you were actually the first person. I remember it very clearly now, like walking out of, um, oh my gosh, what was that HOD building? Uh, it was not Mayborn. It was the one next to Mayborn. I don't even remember Mayborn. Calhoun? Yeah, That's the one I- maybe. I don't know, but it was one of those Peabody buildings. And I remember you yeah. telling me, like, you can be angry with God. And I don't even remember what we were talking about, but I remember you saying that. And so you have, like you have, you have always, you have always guided other people to do that too. I mean, I think, yeah. So, I mean, it's a memory I have. I think a little, just to, I don't, you know, I don't want to derail the conversation and oh, you're I don't fine. know. This is good. Go, but um, I think part of it is I, we, referenced my I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast yet but I def I have some issues with anxiety and I think mm-hmm. and those are those have gotten worse and kind of paralleled along the same time that my relationship with God has also struggled a little bit I'm not suggesting that there's anything related with those two but I definitely think it's just it's just kind of a, a association and time force and so um I think that's something that I have not relinquished to God very well mm. and I think I'm you know in being a medical professional or, you know, almost medical professional, I have, I've, you know, I I do recognize anxiety as a medical disorder and I do recognize that there are medical and, you know, just a lot of treatments for those kind of things. And I think I've been, you know, I've been seeking that and I, and it's, it's helpful and has been really great in my, and I, and it's been really great for my, you know, treatment, but and I think the other side of that is that I've seen patients and people with similar problems that don't come from a religious background and they mm. get better just with that. And so yeah. I think, but because it's such an integral part of my life right now, the anxiety is not in the, you know, it's not consuming and whatever, but it definitely is something that I'm going through that I have kind of not really let God into that. Mm. And so I wonder if that's something that, I don't know, that could, I could figure out how to do. Mm. Yeah. What would it take for you to like, what would it look like for you to maybe give him, give him a way in, in that, in that space? Like, what do you, in your mind, what do you feel like you need to do to give him space? But what, what is the easiest next thing for you to do for that to happen? I feel like this is therapy, but, um, (laughs) Is it, is it my voice? Is it my voice? I think it's honestly, you guys have very well, DK, your voice is sorry, Catherine, your voice is what it's always been. But Julie, you have the most soothing voice right now. I don't Thank know if you. anyone. Thank you that. very it's, much. <laughs> I think it's I think it's the podcast or the, you know, nice technology, but because I obviously have not heard your voice in person, but I'm very relaxed. If that's your well, that's, that's what um, we want. But yes. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to your question. I think I, you know, I am not entirely sure what a next step would for me would be. I think in my past when I, cause I'm super introspective. So I always, you know, I'm mm-hmm. trying to, me too. what's the next step? Like, what, you know, what am I doing? And for me, it's always acknowledgement of mm-hmm. the problem, right? I mean, maybe this is just AA, I don't know. But the, for me, it would mean in my head, the logical next step was, okay, I'm having trouble with anxiety. I'm not letting God in with it. And I'm not letting him help me when I know that he has, he offers us peace, especially in situations like this. And I, like, I know this is one truth I know. And this is one thing I'm struggling with. I, in my head, it would be just, you know, a conversation with God and like Mm. acknowledging the front. But the problem is like, because I'm so introspective, that's never really 
like I can't, it's hard for me to get past that. Yeah. I can definitely acknowledge it and I can say this is what's going on and this is the problem, but now what? Mm. And so, I don't, yeah, so let me let me read this scripture to you, Matthew 7, 7. Do you know that one off no. the top of your head? So, <laughs> no, no, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, Matthew, yeah, yeah. Matthew 7, 7 is keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. So that scripture would be a scripture that's considered to just be full of promise. And if it's that simple, do you believe it's that simple? No. <laughs> I do. It should. I do. I do. No, no, no. It's okay if you don't. Like, that's that's the thing. It's like, for me personally, it sounds so simple, but, like, how you explain yourself, I'm introspective as well, too, and I'm always, like, worst case scenario, planning, like, what what move is coming out of this move, and then the next five moves out of that, like, I'm, I'm just, that's how I go, and I'm like gosh, I wish I can let myself, like, just, you know, take that on as being so simple. And yet it could be if we just really did it. Not tried it, just did it. <laughs> I, I think part of it, too, is that, and this is something I've always struggled with, like, you can know things about God cognitively. You can understand it. I mean, we can never understand God, but you can know the truth about God. But when for me when it doesn't change how I feel and when it doesn't change like when my thoughts aren't changing my feelings that's when I start having doubt mm. and that's when I start I start thinking like I don't know if that promise is for me yeah but do your thoughts have to be the thing that changes your feelings if you're relying on your thoughts to change your feelings then you're just gonna go in circles right well I think <laughs> that's that's because probably that's the where the easiest way that the devil penetrates is through our thoughts. Well, I, yeah. And I think that's probably where healing for me could come in. Mm -hmm. But Rachel, back to you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I could have, I could have replied the way that, that Catherine replied to. Yeah. So, but anyway, back, you could, you could come back to me. <laughs> well, I want to, I want to hear now about your walk with anxiety because mm -hmm like you said before we started recording like you've you've had anxious tendencies for probably like most of your life and when did you realize like it was getting to a point where it was becoming overwhelming yeah so I described it to you guys before but um just to kind of reiterate what sorry I just let dogs back in oh, um good. but yeah so it um Definitely have had tendencies my whole life, I think, was always a imperfect perfectionist. I really just had to, I, you know, I had perfectionist tendencies my whole life. And so I was talking to you guys about this before, but it kind of, it increased with, with the level of, I guess, maybe academic rigor that I had to go through. And so when I went to Vanderbilt, definitely got worse, but I, you know, I never really acknowledged it as something that was really problematic. I just kind of thought that, hey, maybe, you know, you know, college is stressful, school is stressful, swimming is stressful, everything is, you know, stressful. And so mm -hmm. I don't think, I, I thought that this was just kind of normal and, you know, something that most people go through. And so it wasn't until coming to medical school and, you know, the stakes are higher here, school is a little bit harder, you work harder, everyone's smarter than, well, not like necessarily, but, you know, you're, mm -hmm. 
it, it just gets harder the, the higher you go yeah. up in education. So I think, and so that combined with actually, you know, learning what, that there are medical diagnoses of anxiety and of mental health conditions, and they do have a, a background in real physical pathophysiology. And so mm-hmm. once I learned about these diagnoses and I kind of put two and two together and I said, wow, this is kind of me. And actually these, not everyone does this and not everyone, you know, goes through these things. I think what kind of, when it kind of became overwhelming is when it, when it truly, the, the worry. So, you know, anxiety is marked by excessive worry about multiple different things. That's kind of the, the key of generalized anxiety disorder is Mm -hmm worry about everything and yeah. multiple but which is you know a common thing especially in our society but <clears throat> what when I kind of thought that it was there were kind of two things that it became real and real path is when the worry one the worry became pathologic and when mm. I was up at night worrying about random like I you know to be completely so super vulnerable I would I was up at night worrying about my parents dying and they're perfectly healthy they're yeah. just and so I, you know, I would think about that and worry about that. And it, you know, for literally no reason, and I would kind of jump to conclusion and I'd say, oh, I haven't talked to them in a while. I hope everything's okay. You know, what if they were to, you know, have all these medical things happen to them or get into a car accident? And mm. so that was when I realized, I was like, whoa, that's over the line. Yeah. The second thing, which is also, you know, I should have noticed is I, I did start having panic attacks. I had like, I only had two, I think really. And during medical school, but real like physiologic reactions uh-huh. to stress. And, you know, I had palpitations and I had, you know, the tunnel vision and, you know, feeling like an overwhelming sense of doom. I had all of the symptoms of, you know, getting a panic attack and I thought this is really new and it wasn't prompted, which is, you know, and th- th- like for the most part, or, you know, sometimes panic attacks are not prompted by an actual yeah. stressful situation. It is underlying anxiety disorder. Sorry to get too medical about this, but no, it's helpful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So unprompted panic attacks in, you know, and the, the, the main symptom was these palpitations. I felt like my heart was racing and I was getting lightheaded. And at first in my head, in my heart, I knew, I was like, I know I have, this is anxiety. I don't think there's any medically, anything medically wrong with me, but like most people with palpitations, you go to see a doctor and they rule everything out that could be you know, wrong with your heart. So I saw a cardiologist and everything was fine. So good to report that, but which I didn't, you know, I didn't expect it to be bad, but so I had those two things. I had the, you know, panic attacks and which I haven't had a panic attack since. So that's been nice. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, those, those like those pathologic thoughts and, you know, keeping you up at night. And in the, the third thing, I guess would be impairment in my functioning. And I, I, you know, was still able to go to class and my grades didn't drop or anything, but I definitely spent a significant amount of time worrying about things when I could be doing, you know, schoolwork or this was in my first two years when I was doing classes. And so, you know, I, I definitely got distracted from studying because I was, I was worrying and, or in even a more cyclical way, I was worrying about the outcome of a test and Mm -hmm. then I could, you know, and then I'd worry about the fact that I was worrying and it couldn't study and it just kind of got to the point where I was, I thought, you know, this is a lot and I don't think this is, this is, this is definitely pathologic and abnormal. And so, um, not to, you know, belittle anyone with other anxiety thoughts that aren't like mine, but I definitely thought this needs to, I need to do something about this. Mm -hmm. And so, um, the, I don't, you know, so I, 
started going to therapy and started, I was hesitant to take medication, but ultimately just because of, for, you know, dumb reasons, mm-hmm. knowing side effects, whatever. Um, but did definitely started a medication and I don't know if that's too personal, but no, uh, the, no. that's the therapy for anxiety. You mm-hmm. do psychotherapy and medications, the best, best thing. And it's, um, it's, it's been really, it's, I mean, I'm still struggling with it and it is something that I'll struggle with all the time. But I think for me, I, the struggle with medication, once I started taking it, the physiologic effects of anxiety kind of subsided. And so that, you know, feeling of, you know, either the palpitations or like heaviness in your chest or I don't know, you guys have had these feelings Mm -hmm. when you get, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. It's that kind of stuff that happens and that has definitely gone away. And I, I think in addition to that, I've had like a lower threshold for something that will kind of set me over the edge. Mm -hmm. So I've noticed that there are things that previously would have, you know, if they were to happen like a small inconvenience, I would have, you know, really freaked Mm -hmm. out and really gotten anxious about. And now with the therapies that I'm like, you know, the, the, the talk therapy and medication have, have definitely lowered my threshold Mm -hmm. and have, you know, helped me mellow out. I don't think I, you know, have changed as a person, but definitely am able to take things in stride more, which has been really um, helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if wanted to hear with anxiety but no it's so helpful because like here like one thing that i deal with and like i i don't know if this sounds stupid or not but i'm just gonna like say it because it's a very real feeling and i think of anxiety or panic for me like almost borderline but like so like uh, the best context i can give is the one year we were driving i was with my family we were driving in arizona to we're like let's go to the grand canyon i had never been I'm the one driving and it's like I'm driving in these like mountains of Arizona and (laughs) like all of a sudden I start seeing like what the cliff looks like on the side of me, these swerving roads and all that. And for the first time in my life, like I I think I started to feel like panic and, and anxiety, but it's like, so I had to like stop. So we stopped in Sedona and then like my dad drove back, like we just stayed in Sedona. But so since then, I've been feeling like anytime I drive, like, and it, you know, you go, you like on the highway and you going over a bridge or anything, I get very like, I, my, my breath starts shortening, my chest starts feeling heavier. Like last night, me and Catherine were driving back and she's like, oh, like, is that Chicago over there in the skyline? And like, we're going over this big bridge. I was like, <laughs> I can't, I can't look, I can't look. Okay. I'm driving right now. Like, that's how like bad it gets where I'm like, I almost want to like, just be like, I, I don't know, like I'm coming outside of myself and saying like, I can't do this anymore. And I'm literally like in the middle of driving and like, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I know it's not super relatable to that, but those feelings, because that's like something I'm, and then I start thinking, I'm scared. Am I going to be like this for the rest of my life? Am I ever going to be able to like drive my family to the Grand Canyon? Like all these things start coming up in my head. I'm like, I don't want to be like this. So I'm like, I don't know what I can do. But, like, I know those feelings because my chest starts wanting to come out. I feel like I'm going to throw up. Like, that, it just gets so physically, like, apparent to me. So, sorry. Well, for and, that. Yeah, sorry for that. No, ramble, I but think. That's like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it def- you could definitely relate to it. Those, those feelings are the same. And the feeling of not having control over it, which mm. I think you kind of did too, is a definitely a big component, too. And, and then it, it is cyclical when you said, you know, I don't want to live with this the rest of my life. Then you say, well, is every time I'm going to go over a bridge? And so then you can even, sometimes you'll even 
not, not that it's specific to bridges or, you know, if mm-hmm. I'm going to go near a canyon or whatever. Yeah. Like you anticipate it. And sometimes you can start having those feelings when you haven't even gotten there, but exactly. you're you know, miles away and you, and it's cyclical and that, you know. Oh yeah. As soon yeah. as I see something turning and curving, I'm like, even like low stuff, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, here we go. Here's the feelings. Like Catherine's looking at me like, oh, poor you. Like, I, like, like it's. <laughs> Like she didn't know this and that's like what goes through my mind. But yeah, I, I just say that to say like, I totally understand those feelings. And I mean, you can literally interject it into like any circumstance. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The, the, the pathologic response to panic or, I mean, it's, it's a real, like, it's a sympathetic response. It's, yeah. it's science, you know, sorry, not to be, but it's like, it's a real thing. People yeah. Everyone has experienced that. It's fight or flight. For sure. For sure. So I'm just like, I got to figure this out. Well, (laughs) so Rach, when you were like in the middle of, of maybe either a panic attack or just in that worry, like, because worry is so like cognitive, but it's also, it's also physiological. But what are the thoughts like going on in your head Mm -hmm. that are like, are, are the most damaging in that they they'll suck you into mm-hmm. that cycle. Yeah, I have, I mean, if you pull up a list of, of uh, cognitive distortions or maladaptive thought patterns, like I could check probably all of them off. Wow. off of my, I have literally all of, I do all of them. Do I think, it, I I have a hard time, sorry, let me just tangent for five seconds. <laughs> I think sometimes when I, when I find myself in these maladaptive thought patterns and when I find myself in these destructive, I, you know, the ball is rolling down the hill and I'm just panicking, mm. not necessarily, Logically, I, 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 t- I don't like blaming my anxiety. I don't like saying, oh, I have anxiety, so therefore I'm having these. Mm. Because, I mean, while that is true, I mean, that's, that's even, that's another layer of the, you know, cognitive bias. But regardless, um, anyway, back to the, um, the maladaptive thoughts and distortions that I have. Um, so the panic is, the panic attacks are different because those have been, those, I mean, I really just had two and they were, out of the blue and I wasn't even thinking about something like anxiety provoking. So I was not in this damaging Mm. thought place, Mm. but so, but apart from that, I do have these, you know, I don't want to call them episodes, but I'll have times where I just get into that, that hard pattern. And there's a couple of them. Um, you know, one, I, I definitely have like, I don't, I think you, one of you, I think Julian, you might've even brought it up like the, you know, what if worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I also talk, mentioned, referenced it when I talked about, like, worrying about my parents. I said, you know, like, you know, what if they get into a car accident? and mm-hmm. Or what if I can't reach them? I need, like, I'll, I'll, I used to, like, turn my phone on, you know? I was like, oh, I need to be able to reach them. I need, yeah. need to be able to, what if this happens? And I, you know, and I can kind of, so I take a distortion like that, mm-hmm. like, worst case scenario. And then I have a, a cognitive bias where I justify, mm. I ignore things that are against are pointing away from that being the actual situation. And then I only listen to things that support that. Wow. And that's, and that's kind of like the two layered destructive thought. So there's that. And then there's overgeneralizability. I always think that, and then I, I add bias to it. So I say, you know, everyone else is, is doing well in school and everyone else is doing this, this, and this, and I'm not, and I'm not doing it because I'm, you know, I'm not good enough and they're doing it because they're so great. And so it's, it's a negative bias towards myself and a, you know, positive bias towards oh, other people. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's those. And then, um, 
the not being good enough is, is kind of a little bit at the core. I think I haven't necessarily identified what, I think you guys had talked about the concept of a true North and mm-hmm. how that have would, I mean, that would definitely have effect on, you know, what I worry about because that, you know, it would, if I'm, if that's something that I'm striving to, mm-hmm. but, and I do, so to answer that question is I don't know, I wasn't able to identify something and I, I, I don't know what the goal is and mm-hmm. what, is it to be happy? Is it to be like everybody else? Is it to be like to fit in? You know, I'm not a hundred percent sure. And so I think that's, that's why I have a, have a long way to go on, on mm. fixing these thought pa- patterns, but I think I've, I've made some, made some progress. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And list, but and well, <laughs> and you're so like being, being in medical school, like you, you're smart and you, the way you like go through the world is with your brain, like with your mind. Mm -hmm. And so I just wonder like how, when these thoughts come up, like, and you experience them in your body, but like, what do you feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, do you like what emotions come up? Yeah, I think, so do you mean like physically or what? Like um, I'm, I mean like, sadness, loneliness, um, like shame. I think that my two biggest ones are sadness and loneliness. Mm. Um, I think I have a lot of, um, so the, the sadness is I, a lot of things for me start out as one emotion and then turn into sadness because I, I turn to blame myself. So, so it's, for example, anger, like if I get very angry at somebody, it lasts for a very short period of time and then it turns into, well, I did something wrong or something is wrong with me and that's why they treated me like this. And then I get sad because that's how I, because I have a negative view of myself. And so that's where the sadness comes in. And the loneliness definitely takes a toll in the way that, so I think a big part of my anxiety is you would guess it's a lot about school and in in a way it is about school, but another huge portion and maybe even bigger is socially. And I think I get anxious about my relationship with other people and I get nervous that they don't value me like I value them or that I, you know, don't have good relationships. I don't have good friendships like other people have. And I, I, you know, that's another like bias I have is that, you know, everyone else has these great relationships with people and I don't, Mm. um, and I don't have the friendships that other people have. I'm not a good friend. And so that translates a lot to loneliness is because I, you know, I think, oh, well, you know, they everyone else has like a closer like everyone else I'm not people's closest friend everyone else mm. has friends that they like better than me and so mm. that can me um, sometimes so mm. some emotions that I can that can start happening when when I have these like dangerous I don't know what I should call them but mm-hmm. yeah the the uh I like to think of them as like it's like a spiral. Mm-hmm. Like I think of it as like kind of like a little tornado. Like it starts at the top. It starts really wide. It starts like it could be anything. It could be like uh, someone like looked at me weird, like uh, like walking by, you know, mm-hmm. like something so like dumb like that. And then it just starts spiraling down and it starts getting more and more specific. And then it starts getting like, well, it's because you are a terrible person. Like mm. that's what it always like goes back to. Yeah. It always ends on that like little dot from wherever like it's coming to, it goes to that. Mm. So, but they pick up speed. Like those kind of those kinds of thoughts and those kind of feelings 
and your body reaction, like that's, that's what is so, when you start learning about this, you start really seeing that they all feed into each other and they all pick up the pace of each other. So when you're really deep in one, the others start coming in even stronger and then the, the other comes in stronger. And it's like, it really takes, it, it takes like, I don't want to say strength to come out of it because, because it's not about your strength coming out of it. It's, I think it is about, I honestly, I don't know. I don't even know really what it's about, but I don't want to say strength because that's, that's so it's like when, if you can't come out of it, then you're weak, you know? And, and so when people like talk about mental health and say, you're so strong for getting through it, it's like, but if you're still walking through it, does that mean you're weak? No, <laughs> right? Like it's right. definitely not. Mm. That's an interesting, I, I, you know, it's an interesting point about the strength and, and weak and, you know, cause I, that's something we totally say is you're so strong for getting through that, which is true, but you're also strong when you're in it and when you're dealing with it. And even, even if you don't feel like you're, you're necessarily getting out of it or you're necessarily moving in the right direction. that doesn't mean that you're, you're being weak. I don't mm. think, I think that's a, that's a, a good question. It's a way to call into question the, when we talk about mental health Uh totally and like it's almost like the word I want to say is awareness Uh because the more that you grow in self-awareness and I think truly like that's what therapy really is at the end of the day like I believe the Lord is the only one that can heal you and restore you but therapy gives awareness to things that are so that fly under the radar and then by nature are so controlling and I think maybe, maybe that's the word is that you are, you're so grounded in self-awareness right now. And like, I hear that, I hear that very much from you. Oh, thank you. That's, that means a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Rach, is there anything that you feel like we missed or, um, anything you really, really want to tell people about mental health from a medical perspective or just any kind of last words you want to throw out there? Yeah, just I would I would like to say that I was someone that was so against, not so against, but I didn't want to go to therapy. I didn't want to take medicine. I thought I was like, you know, I can just not pray it away, but I, you know, I, you know, God is the ultimate healer, and I really think that I think that like this that this mental illness is actually a sign of lack of faith, and that's just that's I don't believe that anymore. I don't think that's that's the case. I think that. Um, that these, these tools we have that God has given us and this, that's the therapy and that's the medication. And, you know, it, it, that goes beyond just mental health too. This, this is relatable to any medical illness. Um, and I think under, like, I think having a medical perspective has made me realize that, that, you know, these are, these are very important things that, that definitely, I don't want to say God uses because I don't want to, you know, tell you tell you what he does but I would say like if you're a person of faith and you are struggling with with something that you know looks like mental illness definitely like therapy is super helpful I would recommend therapy to to almost everybody um I don't want to belittle it I think everyone I think everyone could benefit from therapy I don't think that everyone necessarily needs it but regardless go to therapy talk to people um it's not it doesn't mean anything about your faith and it doesn't mean that you're you're not faithful